What up, Wizards fans? The way to continually support me and this independent media is to go to sneakers. S-N-D-K-I-S dot com. DMV DC Sports Apparel. Buy some gear and at checkout, type in playoffs. And part of that money goes to me and allows the show to continue. Let's get this show started. And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam Magadis. Salut à tous, ceci est une introduction à un nouvel espace, une nouvelle era, un nouveau son. Bienvenue, vous entrez à Universal Mind Control. Hey I stay fresh like a rock in plastic. Beat goes plastic, see galactic. Southside boy, we Cadillac it. Charismatic, Asiatic. I hustle for mathematics. Cameras, action, change status. Actor, tap in your favorite actress. Gucci, rock it, Gucci, pop it. Movie, watch it. Booties, drop it. Body, move it. Show it, move it. Style it and be a fly. What is up, dude? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show. We discuss a team in an O2 deficit, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is May 3rd, 2017, second round of the playoffs. How have those last two games been dealing with those effing disasters? I can't even talk because I'm so heated of the whole state of Boston and Massachusetts, and I hate the Celtics. Especially that little runt, Isaiah Thomas and Crowder and Smart. Rashad, what is up, bro? How are you? You know, to add insult to injury, I'm sitting here watching the Cavs and the Raptors, and I see Kyle Lowry limp out, and he's out the rest of the game. Very well be at the Cavaliers roll while the Celtics and Wizards beat themselves up. So, I mean, not to look ahead or anything, but I mean, just I haven't seen any resistance for the Cavs, and they'll just be sitting waiting for the winner of this series. Yeah, what has happened to the Raptors? I felt like, I would say that the Cavs probably should win that series, but the Cavs have not played good basketball this last half of the season. And then out of nowhere, the Raptors with the Baca should maybe be a little bit more competitive to them, correct? Yeah, but we'll wait to see what happens when they get back to Toronto. But I think the rhythm of that team was disrupted by Lowry being out so much right before the playoffs. and He's not been quite right. You know, basically, DeRozan was carrying that team with with the box and some other role players kind of pitching in. Now Lowry is back, and they're just they're not as in sync. If Milwaukee was a little, you know, just a little more experienced, they they would have taken that series. Well, this is not a Cavs or a Raptors podcast. This is the Washington Wizards podcast. Like I mentioned, they have lost two straight games in the second round of the playoffs to Boston, are down 0 and 2, headed back to DC. Thursday evening to take on the Celtics, 8 o'clock in the phone booth. Rashad, obviously we have a lot to say about these two games, but we have not podcast since the Wizards advanced to the second round and closed out the Hawks 115-99 to last Friday night. I want to start with some positives before I just torch the whole city of Boston, like I mentioned. What was your feelings watching that game on Friday night and just 
the fact that we've been covering this team forever and we know that playoff series victories, even when they're favored somewhat mildly, are still something to celebrate and enjoy. Uh, I didn't expect them to win game six. I thought they would just kind of mentally tune it out and just tell themselves that they would be ready for game seven. So I was surprised at how quickly they started. I was pleasantly surprised from watching that game thinking they can easily, even though there's a quick turnaround, they could easily ride that momentum in to game one. You know, I mean, it was turned out to be for a quarter. But I was, I was impressed that they, they went in and closed it out and, you know, Wall was back to that defiant, you know, you know swag from the opposing court thanks to uh, was it Julio Jones who was yeah. egging him on. Gucci Mon as well. It was good to see. It was encouraging to see. And if you had to think of a better lead-in into the series against the Celtics, that was it. That was the perfect way to end and go into the next series. Yeah, it was good to see the Wizards got off to a hot start. They took control of that game. They faltered there in the third quarter. There were some testy moments, but then John Waller just took over the game, finished with 42 points, 8 assists. I think he had 19 points there in the fourth quarter. Beal chipped in 31, so 73 points between Wall and Beal in a closeout game on the road. I mean, that is probably, I would say, the highlight of their young career so far, wouldn't you? Uh no, I wouldn't say that. I would say sweeping Toronto that year was a bigger deal. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I would, this this series, they were favored. You know, the games that they lost, they didn't play particularly. The series against Toronto, and they went in and just swept them. That that's a that's that's the crowning achievement, unless they get past Boston. Yeah. What also stood out was just how well they shot. I mean, they were ten and twenty four from three, which only ended up being forty percent, but. At one point, they were shooting 50%, 60% from three, 60-some percent from the field. You know, the, the bench woes, which, of course, we're going to get into, manifested their ugly head there in the third quarter. But, wow, I mean, just Millsap was, you know, he was okay with 31 points. You know, had a good game. But the Schroeder at 26, but just everyone else uh, for Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta shot 9 of 32 from three. 47% from the field. But we'd seen throughout these playoffs, I mean, the Wizards had shot mid to low 40s throughout that series, and for them to shoot 53 from the field was something that we've been waiting for them to do, and it was one of the things that we kept bringing back up. I just feel like it was a moment. I, I know that the media coverage, the national media, was like, John Wall's finally arrived, and he was making all sorts of plays, and like you said, you know, talking trash to Julio Jones and Gucci Mon and some other rapper dude, I don't know, because we're, we're old. It was a cool moment. I was at a bar in Petworth, and the sound was on, and we had Wizards fans there, and we were into it, and we are high-fiving, and I had not had that, gosh, in a long, long time, to have probably 20, 30 Wizards fans with the sound on at a D.C. bar. Now that sounds kind of messed up to say that, wow, you, you were in the nation's capital rooting for your professional basketball team in the playoffs, and you've never really had that experience. And I have, but it was mostly when I organized game watches over the years against the Pacers and the Bulls and the Raptors and to have a random sports bar in Petworth of D.C. for that to happen and it was just my friends and the other people I didn't even know. So that was really cool. Then there was shot and I started talking shit immediately because I look up and I see the Bulls are getting their ass kicked by the Celtics and I just start a fuck Boston chant. Got it all jacked, dude. And it was pretty cool to see because yeah, F them. <laughs> I don't know. when I After I, the game was over, I didn't I mean, it wasn't emotional. It wasn't a big deal because I just felt like this is what they were supposed to do. And, you know, they've been at this point 
three out of the last four years. So it just it was business as usual. It would be different if they were the seventh seed and they had just, just defeated a two seed. But this was a series they were supposed to win. They weren't exactly playing up to potential, and I felt like, okay, let's 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 go to the second round. I didn't. Oh, so he felt it was more a business, uh, business yeah, trip, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like in order to, in order for everybody to feel good about themselves about this season, they have to get past the round that they're in now, because they they're not playing Cleveland in the second round. They're playing a team that, frankly, they're better than, and once again, they're they're underachieving. And we'll get to that. But I I just felt like, okay, this is what you were supposed to do. Now let's get to the next round where you can do something that you haven't done in almost damn near my lifetime. And so, you know, I, I just I didn't, I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, so the only thing I was encouraged by is how they seemed to put it together on the road when they when they really needed when they needed to summon a great game when they needed to make a statement saying we are the better team and we don't have to go back to DC to win. And they did it. So it's very heartening to see them play their best game of this playoffs on the road to close a land out. And so I go to a party with my friends, and you know most of them don't care about sports at all, but they know that the Wizards game has been going on and the Caps, and you know they talk to me and I'd say these things, and they found out that the Wizards won, and they're like, "Oh, Adam, how the game go?" I was like, "Listen, I am so happy right now," and they're like, "Why are you happy?" I was like, how many times do you think the Washington Wizards or the Bullets franchise has won a playoff series in the last 35 years? What's the answer? And I'm going to girls that know nothing about sports. I'm even going to guys that, you know, whatever. They somewhat follow you know, more, mostly Redskins. I mean, they'd say 10, 9, 12, 5 times, Rashad. This is the fifth, fifth series since 1982 that this franchise has won. Now, that is an indictment of the A-Poling era. But it's also the fourth one that I can remember, you know, since, you know, Gilbert Arenas beat the Bulls on that shot in 2004, I believe, 2005. We saw the wall, you won the last two, you know, series he had had before. But it was also, yes, like this isn't the goal to beat the Atlanta Hawks in the 4-5 matchup. Good, good beers. But also it was the fact that Rashad, that what you mentioned, that when the season, if they lose to the Celtics or the Cavs or how this shakes out, that we cannot look back on this as a disappointment that we have to spend the whole summer discussing Paul Millsap and fouls and refs that it was like, now we can move on and you can talk about second round, third round and what it really has to do. And that takes us right into the Boston series opening up one o'clock start on Sunday after playing both teams played Friday night. What the hell is that? Why did that happen? I mean, why didn't they move this game back or have somebody else play the Raptors or the Cavs? I was really puzzled by why this game was happening less than, you know, 36 hours before two teams had just won uh, on the road. I didn't, I didn't get that either. They could have easily put this game after the Utah Clippers game, and they could have made it the, the Sunday night TNT game or whatever. So that was that was an odd start, and usually when you have early starts like that, you see both teams kind of look sluggish and lethargic. But as we saw, the you know, the, the Wizards looked anything but... But I remember when I was watching, you know, the Wizards got out to a 16-0 start, and it wasn't as if the Wizards were playing smothering defense and they were getting blocks and turnovers and steals. They weren't doing that. Boston was just missing shots, and they were missing makeable shots. And so you, you kind of knew. I mean, of course, I didn't know they would storm back the way that they did, but you kind of knew that this lead would kind of plateau 
maybe about 10, 8 or 10 points, and once Boston got hot, but it was specifically Isaiah Thomas that got hot, which was problematic. Uh, I think he hit three threes or two or three threes, and it just, you just felt the air kind of go out of the Wizards because you don't mind if anybody else beats you because they're not, they're not the head of the snake. They don't kind of spur the team on. But when Isaiah Thomas is the one who broke that start, it, it, it was problematic. I felt like I was maybe still hungover from that before, hallucinating that the Wizards got up to a strong start at 16 to nothing. Boston could not make a shot. The Wizards' offense was humming. Everyone was scoring. I think all five starters got on the board right away. They could do everything, anything they wanted. And you knew Boston was going to finally hit some shots and come back. Isaiah loses a tooth. Somehow hits a three right after that. He leaves, comes back, and then Boston started getting hot. You know, the Wizards in that first quarter on a 30-24, to 24, but then Boston scored 35 points in the second half, and the Wizards were up 64-59 to 59 at halftime. So he felt good in the sense that the Wizards scored 64 in the first half, but also they had lost that whole lead, and the momentum of Boston seemed to be on their side. Third quarter was an absolute disaster. The Wizards were outscored 36-16. to 16. They came back uh, somewhat in the fourth, in the final was 123-111. to 111. What was your takeaways of this game? I mean, the other thing that I see that really stands out was the Wizards were 13-22 to 22 from the free throw line. It was nine free throws, and the Celtics... You know, only 12 15 for free throws, but made 19 threes, 19 to 39, playoff postseason record for the Celtics, and scored 123 points, like I mentioned, for the first time in a long, long time in their their history. Everyone started getting going. I mean, especially, I mean, when we said the threes, I mean, Isaiah Thomas 5'11, that's fine, but Crowder hitting 6 of 8, Olenek 2 of 2, Smart and Brown hitting threes, Bradley was only 3 of 9. You know, Horford hit a big one late. But I felt like that was really the difference in a way that all those different threes, I mean, the Wizards were only 10 or 23, so they made nine more threes. And I felt the other difference was really the poor play of the second units there in the second, to give the lead away in the second quarter and to basically kind of fall apart there in the late in the third. Yeah, I think I tweeted in the second quarter that John Wall had to know how Russell Westbrook felt because they were up by 14. I mean, John Wall came back for one or two possessions at the end of the first quarter, you know, to try to get the last shot. But he started the second quarter on the bench, and they were up 14. And the bench was just – it was just inept. I mean, Jennings wasn't getting anything. Bill was running with them. But, you know, it just – the flow was not the same. And before you knew it, the Wizards were only up three. Went and, and John Wall had to come back into the game, and it just all this is going on, and Isaiah Thomas isn't even in the game, and made it all more, all the more disheartening. And I felt like this is where the game was lost. I mean, ideally the bench should come in, and maybe you lose a little bit of the lead, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't, it shouldn't go all the way down to three without the playmaker for the other team on the floor. And it was just, you know, Marcus Smart was hitting shots, Kelly Olynyk kept being matched up with a smaller player and he was just taking advantage of it and Crowder hit a three and it was just the whole team was just rolling and I, I felt like that's where the game was lost because now you have to bring back Wall the sooner you have to bring back Wall the less energy he's going to have and it was it was, it was was disappointing and it's a, as you know it's a switch from the, the 
you know, the, the second half of the season when at times the bench played excellent. I mean, that sometimes they even bailed out the starters. That was during the time when Porter and um, and Gortat weren't playing so well, and and Morris even they weren't playing great. The bench came in, and now we were reverting to that ugly part of the season where we were wondering, are they going to make a trade? Are they going to make a move? Why is Trey Burke playing? That that's what it felt like. They just were completely inept. And I don't remember who was announcing the game, but I remember they said at one point the big difference is. The Celtics bench is rolling. Even Rozier, everybody is rolling, and the Wizards are struggling to find someone. So I just feel like that. that's – I mean, I know it was the third and fourth quarter and the Wizards closed it, but that is where the game was lost. You should be able to maintain a double-digit lead until your starters come back in. And for you to lose it and then the starters can't even stop the momentum, that's – I feel like that was the crucial quarter. The other thing that was a big difference in this game was when Markeith got injured. Al Holford goes underneath him on a jumper – Kind of, I'm going to say it's a dirty play, per se, but it comes down, Markeith immediately, you know, Keith is a tough guy. For him to be you know, reading in pain the way he was, I immediately thought he messed up his knee. And then they show the replay, and his ankle went sideways. He somehow shot the free throw, did not return to the game. But he, once he departed... The Celtics really got rolling, and the Wizards were unable to exploit Boston down low as effectively they had at the beginning with Gortat and Keefe being mismatch problems for them, especially since their big guys are more, you know, Horford on the high posts or stretching out, and their other guys want to shoot threes, and Amir Johnson, you know, not really being a factor, and then them going so small with all those guards. And Markeith and Gortat, especially on the pick and rolls, are really... Pro- matchup problems for them and once he went out Smith was a non-factor I think he picked up did he pick a bunch of fouls in this game no he didn't the last one I mean maybe they went with Bogdanovich he finally got hot Bohan buckets made helped the Wizards claw back in this game early in the third or was it late late I mean the Wizards went out 15 and then they came back uh, there in the fourth quarter he had a couple big threes and, and almost had a heat check moment and Ubre played okay. He had a start for Marquise in the second half, but you know Ubre had 12 points, five of eight from the field, three of two of four, but negative 22 plus minus. His defense once again is gambling and and you know too many fouls. And Bogdanovich still is a defensive nightmare, but he did at least was able to hit some shots. That I think contributed to the poor bench, was messing up those rotations that we've discussed about so much in the Atlanta series. Yeah, and the, the third quarter was, I mean, we'll talk about last night's game, but the third quarter was, I just felt like, was John Wall's fault, if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. There, was just, there, was too many, there was too many turnovers. The offense had no flow. Yeah, John, he finished, no, with, he finished with eight turnovers, 20 points, 16 assists, and eight turnovers. Right, and five of those were in the third quarter, and he played the entire quarter, as did Martian Gortat. And it just, again, they kind of, the momentum of the bad second quarter kind of carried into the third quarter, except you don't have Morris out there, and it was just that, that was game over at that point. Isaiah Thomas was five for eight. Jay Crowder caught fire, and that was that was pretty much it. I mean, there was no there was just no flow. And I think after the game, uh, Scott Brooks commented that the ball was sticking; it wasn't moving the way he was. And you know, at, at that point. As a fan, you start rationalizing. You say, okay, they're in shock. Markeith Morris isn't out there. That's another front court player down along with Mahimni and 
they're just not going to win this game. Uh, and I mean, that's I know that's as a fan, you're not supposed to do that. But I put I put away my journalist hat, and I just as a fan, it's like they're not going to win this game. It's just too much to overcome. I do want to go back to that Horford foul because I didn't think it was intentional at all. I don't think he. Well, you know, he did, he did some dirt similar to Beal. I forget when that was, but. Yeah, but I, I just think that's that's a coincidence. I don't. I don't. Horford is not that kind of a player. He doesn't have that kind of demeanor. Um, but I don't at all have a problem with Marquise thinking that it was intentional and and you know taking it personally. I don't have a problem with that. You need sometimes you need perceived slights to get yourself going. But I didn't think it was a it was a intentional move at all. Yeah, the other thing too is that when the Wizards finally were able to make that run, or as mentioned with Bohan and. Get it down to I forget how many points you know with under single three. digits. Well, yeah, three right, like five six mm-hmm. minutes left. Is right. that they just couldn't get a stop, dude? I mean, it came down to the fact that like the Wizards could not get a stop. I mean, their offense was doing good things, but we can't get a stop. We can't get momentum, and it was just every single, every single thing, dude. You know, like the pick and roll defense, the rotations, wide open shots, random dudes hitting threes. You know, Crowder going off like I mentioned. I mean, it was just accumulation effect, and then Horford just making tough shots, running the offense. I mean, I think he ended up with, like, nine assists and a really good game. And to me, that also then ends up carrying over to game two, which we're going to discuss here. So the Wizards come here in game two, down 0-1, and once again, get off to a fast start for the third straight playoff game. They score 42 effing points, dude, in the first quarter. Markeith comes back, and they are just rolling. Wall is phenomenal. Morris is just, I can't believe he was hurt from the game before. And everything is working, except for Bradley Beal, which another foreshadowing uh, with him. But things are just going well for the Wizards. They're up 42-29 to 29 at the end of the first quarter. How surprised are you about Markeith coming back and how good of a start, once again, the Wizards came out to there here in Game 2? I wasn't at all surprised. I mean, if well, number one, Markeith is tough. He's he's a tough guy, and if he's going to make the proclamation in front of the media that he's going to play, he's going to play. I mean, this is a guy who told us about his balls before. So, I mean, yes. his balls. His so wife, that, that's, his, what was his wife likes his balls or something? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to delve too deep into that. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much what it was. And so I, I wasn't surprised at all. I thought he would be a little ginger, but he wasn't at all. He moved great, even when he got shook by. Isaiah Thomas, you know, he still was resilient. Um, and I liked how he threw Horford to the floor. I mean, I, I just thought that was a, as Greg Anthony commented, that was a move straight out of the New York Knicks, you know, the New York Knicks teams with Pat Riley. You, you throw the guy to the floor, you let him know, you step to my ankle, I'm going to get at you, everything is good. But I wasn't surprised that the Wizards were rolling because with the starting five on the floor, they're better than the Celtics. That's not where the problem comes. Mm-hmm. So... I was, you know, it, it made sense. I was a little surprised at how aggressive John Wall was offensively. He normally doesn't shoot that well from threes, but these playoffs have been the exception. He was three out of three from three point land, and combined. Wait, what, what was he at halftime? It was like twenty four nine and a half or something. It was like insane. Twenty eight and nine. It was in. It was crazy. Yeah, he was. He was. We see at halftime. Yeah, twenty three and nine. Yeah, just one turnover. So, but again. The, se- the second quarter, there was just a tremendous drop-off with the bench, and it was, it's like, not again. You know, it, it, they didn't even look fluid at all. But to me, and this this will be a common theme, I think John Bill lost, John Bill, 
Bradley yes, Bill. Yes, 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 John. This loss is on him. Yeah, for it, sure. It, the square, <laughs> for sure. That's what he says all the time. You know that, right? <laughs> but that's, that's, that's. Well, it, it is what it is. Uh, the, let me thank my Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. Uh, oh, come on. Don't make one mad, man. He has to. He has to thank his savior. Hey, I thought we were doing a Bradley Beal person. Anyway, yeah, I mean, if Nene's not here, who else is going to thank the Lord? Come I on. Know, I know, I know. But it, it was just, in that second quarter in particular, I, I believe he had five turnovers. It, it, it may not have been that many, but there were just so many bad passes. The shots looked like he was guiding it. And it defeats the purpose for him to go against the second unit, second unit if he can't give you any degree of productivity. He had four turnovers. He played the entire second quarter, had four turnovers, three shots, one for four from the field. And it was just, I mean, John Wall will never say anything bad about Bradley Bill. In fact, it's the complete opposite. He says no matter how much he's struggling, I'm going to keep getting him the ball. But he was the weak link. And meanwhile, again, that Isaiah Thomas was killing it. Al Horford was in. And uh, Rozier came in off the bench, Marcus Smart. And there was nothing. Every other wizard, except for Brandon Jennings, was rolling offensively or was playing well and here was Bradley Bill giving them absolutely nothing and so I, I just felt like you asked me was I surprised about the start I never am because the Wizards are a better starting five but when they went to the bench and they have to go deeper into the roster and you're kind of switching Bill into a different into the primary scorer role and he gives you nothing that's a problem the other thing I didn't understand is that Bradley Bill didn't shut down Isaiah Thomas in game one, but he did a good job of giving him difficult looks, and he did a much better job defending him than, than Wall does, particularly on this night when Wall was expending so much energy on offense. I didn't understand why Kelly Oubre and John Wall did the did most of the defending on Isaiah Thomas, and they never let Bill doing it. At the very least, let Bill get, it, get going, let his competitive juices get going in defending Isaiah and maybe he'll come back and do something on the offensive end. But when he's he's not defending Isaiah and he's not shooting well, it just seemed like he he got into that. And I tweeted this. He got into that bad body language bill where you could tell when a shot left his hand and wasn't going in. He didn't run right back down the court. He kind of slumped. And then he's guarding Avery where Avery, he should be looking out for him. But you don't have to guard Avery Bradley the same way you have to guard Isaiah Thomas. And so I just felt like he just was... He just was completely out of sync. And as I'm going to write about and at some point, hopefully, before the game, I give credit to Scott Brooks and John Wall for not – they barely called Bill by name at the end of the game. I mean, Scott Brooks mentioned that we got some good shots at the end of the game. We just didn't go in. And then he said we have to do a better job of, of getting the Celtics off of Bill so he can get some better shots. And John Wall said I had a good look at the end of the game and didn't go in, and so did Brad. So they did a good job publicly of not flogging him the way they should have. But I hope behind the scenes somebody got in his ass and was like, look, you're making $127 million. You're the max, you're the breadwinner on this team for now. That can't happen again. I'll say this and then I'll shut up. Right before I came in here to talk to you, I was listening to halftime with uh, you know, TNT halftime with Shaq. And Shaq said, you can't be part of the one-two punch and not show up. He was talking about DeRozan and Lowry. They have they have to be able to count on a certain. Your team should be able to be able should be able to count on a certain amount of points every game. And the question should be not are the big two going to show up, but what's the supporting cast going to do? And last night, Bradley Bill did not show up, and it took a superhuman 
uh, performance by Wall just to keep them in the game. The thing is, is that this... Hold on. Hold on. All right. So, Shad, talking about tweeting, I said, wake up, Panda, during the middle of the second quarter. The Wizards still were up 67-64 in the first half. But this, it wasn't that Beal shot so poorly because, you know, we've gone through shooting struggles throughout these playoffs. And there was a moment this season where I think he missed 20 straight three-pointers where he finally, you know, snapped out of it. And, you know, he had one his a career high of, you know, all the numbers and all this. And he's had success in the playoffs at, at a young age. It was the fact that these turns were so bad, dude. Like, like, it's one thing to be like, okay, you're missing shots or they're playing good defense or you mess up. You're like, oh, that was a bad pass. I didn't see it coming. He had like four or five. Like, it was almost like, yo, dude, if I would have, if you would show me this tape, you'd be like, that guy has money on the other team. Kind of passes. And then... It was just I was I was just so sh- like, unbelievably surprised that he was playing this poorly, and even in his in his in his dribbling, it was like he was a rookie shell shocked. I mean, look at his line. He had 14 points, 47 minutes, 4.15 from the field, one and nine from three, five and six from free throws, five rebounds, four assists, one steal. Six turnovers, one foul. So not even really do anything on defensively on the fouls. Negative 10 plus minus. But for six turnovers and one and nine from the field, and, and of those six turnovers, the thing that really hurt the team is that his, his mis- miscues were so bad that they led to offensive t- fast breaks the other way. So it's almost like he would just throw the ball to the other team or he shot multiple air balls. And he was just out of sorts, out of... Out of wits, I, I I have not seen him play this poorly, especially on a big stage forever. And we went off and made all his jokes about him going to Magic City in Game Three in Atlanta because he had some poor shooting night and shooting air balls. But this was just him not even knowing how to dribble. I mean, he looked like a guy that was on like the sophomore JV team finally got to varsity and got to play the whole game and got the ball in his hands. And I felt like also you were discussing. How John Wall had it going, and you know we can criticize sometimes if John Wall got his offense going, and we'll say hey he needs to get other players involved. But when he's at this excelling level and scoring that well, I felt like there was many times where I was like, no, Bill doesn't have it tonight. We've ran one on one pick and rolls with Bill. He's dribbling the ball off his leg, throwing to the other team. He's throwing passes to other other guys. I'm tired of him calling off the flare scheme, giving him the ball and dribbling around and there'd be four seconds left and he'd throw it back to Wall and Wall would have to take a terrible shot. How many of those possessions do you remember? Uh, where it was like another player had to shoot some crazy shot at the end of this 24-second clock because Beal had messed up there at the end. And I felt like they should have went to more pick and roll with Gortat, with Wall, or just Wall isos than when they went to Beal and nothing good happened. I, I don't know what was wrong with him. And then he has the game-winning shot off of a lucky rebound, which then he airballed again. And we'll get into the end, but I, I was really troubled of how he played so poorly. And we talked about, you know, toughness. And Markeith kind of called it, called someone out about how they're not as tough. And Brooks even highlighted that, is that this season when the Wizards won against the Celtics the two games because they were more tough when they lost, they weren't. And I felt like they were maybe saying those things about a Beal in a way without actually calling him out, right? Is that what you're saying? 
I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I don't think toughness has anything to do with it. I okay. think, just, I just think space, the, spacing it at and not coming up to the moment. I, I think Bill choked. I mean, look, if I told you that Wall had forty, and Otto thirteen, Marquise sixteen, Gorta had fourteen and ten, and Ubre and Jason Smith gave you twenty-two points, you're you're gonna you're thinking that's a win. Oh, but yeah. the, only, the missing element is Bradley Beal, instead of giving... Who, who, would average, who would average 30 points a game for the last four playoff games, by the way, too. <laughs> right. And so you, instead of giving you 25 to 30, he gives you 14. That's the game. When that ball left his hand at the end of the game, I was like, nah, that's not going in. Because he just wasn't... I mean, he had a couple free throws, at the, I believe, at the end of towards the end of the fourth quarter. And Greg Anthony said, maybe that'll get him going. He saw the ball going in the hoop. But no. That, that didn't happen. So I, I, I didn't. I don't think it's the toughness. I don't think it's anything. I think it's, you know, and I don't even blame. I don't blame John Wall, but as our friend Ben Standig says, when Wall is scoring that much, the Wizards do not have a good record, and there's a reason for that because he had 35 through the first three quarters, and he had five the rest of the game. He was gassed. He didn't have anything. He doesn't normally have to go that hard throughout the whole game. This is why the comparison between Wall and Isaiah Thomas is asinine because they're asked to do two different things. Well, Isaiah Thomas, if he's not scoring 25 or 53, then that team is going to struggle. I mean, yeah, they beat the Bulls in the clinching game without Isaiah Thomas scoring, but, again, you can't count anything in that series because Rondo wasn't there. But for Wall, if he's scoring that many points, that means he's taking the ball away from Beal that means something else is wrong, and it affects him. And yes, he got 13 assists, but towards the end of the game, he didn't. He didn't have his legs. He didn't look nearly as spry. He had played 32 minutes through the first three quarters, which is too much, because partly because of the bench, partly because of the kind of points he was getting. I mean, he was running and flying all over the place. Again, not to beat a dead horse, and hopefully Bradley Bill's brother doesn't come after me on Twitter. Yes, yes. But. It's, it's his fault, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's the kind of thing where you get before your team the next day and you say, this is on me. You go to Wall, you go to Brooks, and you say, look, can we get me the damn ball in the beginning? And you, you start quickly. You, you, just, you just get it back. But this game is on him. And we were talking about disappointments. If the Wizards lose tomorrow night, which, is, which means they're not going to win the series, it, it's going to be on Beal. Depending on how he plays, it's going to be on Bill. And the season, there's a lot of pressure for him coming up for right. sure. And the season will be a disappointment because you will have lost to a team that you're not better than. There's a reason why people are projecting the Cavs and the Wizards to be the Eastern Conference Finals because the Boston is not as good of a team as the Wizards. They're not as balanced. They don't present the same matchup problems. Or I mean, they present more matchup problems for Cleveland than Boston. But if you lose to this Boston team. Well, once again, once again, Rashad, it goes back to the same thing we said in Atlanta. Who's the best players in the series? It's Wall, Isaiah Thomas, and Beal, right? Right. And so Beal is not playing. If he's not going to play like the best player, then all these other guys are going to be, you know, three, four, five, and then win because of that. Because the best player in that Atlanta series up until that last game was Paul Millsap. Yep. So, but we also have to, I mean, we have to kind of admit that Despite all the X's and O's, the Wizards are kind of going up against something you can't really plan for, and that's a man on a mission. And 
Oh, you, want, you want to say nice things about Isaiah Thomas before I go off on the refs? So you, I don't wanna, you, you, I don't should, you should start first before I go off on the refs. So you go. I'm not, I'm not going to disparage the man. I'm not. But I'm not. No, gonna I mean, I, I mean, I feel bad for him, but I, I, don't, I don't. I don't like his freaking flopping bullshit and getting every call. But anyway, go. You go. You talk about you know real life shit, which I agree is sad and and messed up. And so he did was just he was phenomenal. I mean, let's look at his stats, dude. I mean, he was 53 points. 12 of 13 from the free throw line, 5 of 12 from 3, 18 of 33 from the field, plus 10 in 45 minutes. And he was incredible. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it was the most points in a playoff game since AI. So, I mean, I got to tip my hat to that, which I do have another rant, but I interrupted you. There was some type of man on the mission thing that you were mentioning, correct? There was. Nine points in overtime, 20 in the fourth quarter. I mean... Oh, he, yeah. he he stepped up in a way. And he's, that, done, and he's done that all season, right? He's been the number one player in the fourth quarter for points all year right. in the NBA. Averages nine point seven, which is second, which was second behind uh, Westbrook. But he he was he was dominant, and the fact that he, I mean, I don't want to go. Sometimes I feel uncomfortable talking about his personal life because I feel like I shouldn't know that. But you just feel like you never know what's going to motivate a player when they're going through something, and. He was, I mean, he's already great, but clearly he was motivated. And to see him playing that well. I mean, his teammates and the and crowd, right? I mean, everyone's just feeding off all this energy. They know what's up. Right. Well, that would have happened anyway, but yeah. it just, it was, it seemed like more so. And the Wizards just, they didn't. I mean, Bradley Bill scored eight in the fourth, but it just wasn't, it, it wasn't enough, and they definitely weren't stopping him. And then the other thing is the one player who could kind of, on this night, besides Wall, who could have kind of got them back in the game, Bogdanovich didn't play. Yeah. I think he played eight minutes all night, and Scott yeah. Brooks admitted after the game that that's his mistake and he has to play him more. But if Beal is not on, the only other player who can get hot like that is Bogdanovich. Although, uh, again, our friend Ben uh, kind of tweeted that maybe Trey Burke should have gotten some run, seeing how he's... Really? Really? Uh, only if he plays with you know, Wall or uh, or Jennings because he shoots well from three, uh, and you know, and last night I would I wouldn't have minded that Bogdanovich wasn't playing, Ubre wasn't shooting well, and neither was Bill. I wouldn't have, I was totally okay if, if Trey Burke had come and, out. And Jennings was so bad. I thought he was terrible. Yeah, he looks he looks skittish out there. He doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't. With twelve I mean, minutes, zero points, zero assists, zero turnovers, two bad shots. In unforgettable minutes to me. And and to make it worse, Rozier came out and played the kind of game that Jennings should be playing. Rozier, the 12 points in just 25 minutes. He was a plus 25, which was a game high. I mean, he was just he was he was just everywhere out there. He was causing plays on. He was causing turnovers. He was running the floor. I mean, that's 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 what. Brandon Jennings should have been doing. That's what he's done in spots during this second half of the season. But well, shut, but shut, but here's the deal. It really comes down to why did Isaiah Thomas score 53? Yes, he was shooting lights out here and there. But what the hell was going on with this pick and roll defense? I, I tried to analyze it. I, I wish I had more time to just watch these pick and rolls over and over. But Isaiah Thomas was in the lane, and I know he's really, really good, but... He somehow ended up on Gortat, he ended up on Markeith, he ended up switched off. It seemed like no coverage. He could do whatever he wanted. He was either at the rim, in the lane. There was no double teams. There was 
there was bad switches, no hedges. I mean, did you get any sense what the game plan is on him? I mean, this is the playoffs. I mean, we know the pick and roll is coming, right? I mean, you know the Harden pick and roll is coming. You know the LeBron, Kyrie pick and roll is coming. I mean, good teams figure out ways to ice or, you know, send a man. And I felt like there was just no adjustments whatsoever to get the ball either out of his hands, make someone else beat you. I mean, I'd rather have you swing the ball around than that. And some of it would just be like John Wall sitting there on Isaiah Thomas on the right, top of the right key, looking back for him for the big. And when the big would come, the the, the wizard big would just completely not... They were not on the same page, either or. So I didn't know, like, what is the coverage for both of you? You don't know. And, you know, Isaiah, a 15-footer, was money. I mean, he was finished at the rim. I mean, he had everything going at that at that point. But, I mean, there has to be some type of defensive game plan going on here. And it has been non-existent these first two games on the pick-and-roll coverage. And this NBA game is mostly pick-and-rolls. But we shouldn't be surprised. The Wizards' defense has been has been bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've, they've just been outscoring. I mean, Schroeder did not have a bad series at all. He's not quite as potent as Isaiah Thomas, and he can't shoot as well, and he's not as disruptive. But he was getting what he wanted, too. I mean, this is not anything new. This is who the Wizards just aren't very good defensively. I know that Chicago experimented with uh, double-teaming Isaiah, just taking the ball out of his hand completely. But, you know, I don't, I don't – the Wizards haven't tried that, and I don't. I don't think that they will. But to me, the key is to put Beal on him, kind of make him uncomfortable. Beal can crowd him, get the ball out of his hands that way, and just live or with that. Because I, you know, John Wall is not playoff season. He's not an on the ball defender. He just he just can't handle it. So maybe that's the key to put to put Beal back on uh, Thomas and put Wall on Avery and, and go from there and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, throw Otto out there. I mean, they're hiding Otto on him on defense. So maybe if you're going to switch everything anyway, then maybe they need to go smaller. Maybe they need to, to do something differently. I mean, I, I feel like if Markeith is playing as well as he is offensively, they can't go too small. But I don't know. What, whatever they're doing right now is not working at all. And I don't really know the, I don't know the answers. That's why Scott Brooks makes $7 million a year and not me. But still, Rashad... Here's the deal. Now, people that follow me on Twitter probably saw some angry tweets. People that know who I am know exactly what I'm going to talk about. And I probably should have led with this, but we're at the end of this podcast. And, yeah, Isaiah Thomas had 53 points. The pick and roll coverage is terrible. Bradley Beal had a shitty game. But, holy fuck, the Wizards got screwed on some major calls at the end of this game. And it isn't so much about me bitching about Millsap. And certain certain things that I was upset with about so many calls, you know, volume-wise going against, you know, Markeith and Jason Smith and Oubre. But, dude, this game, as much as we're just talking about, this game was still, the Wizards had a six-point lead with two minutes left. And they had two breakdowns of defensively, and the, the Celtics made two threes to win it. But let's go back. There was a, there was a play, I would say, early in the fourth quarter, maybe mid-late fourth quarter, where I believe it was either Wall or Beal drove in. The Wizards were up seven. They kick it out to Oubre. He makes a three, and then they call a foul. And so that's obviously one free throw. So I was like, wow, we're going to get a four-point play potentially to go up 11 with, you know, I want to say six to seven, eight minutes left. Maybe I'm wrong. You can, you can correct me on the time. But it was in the fourth quarter, I know for sure. And then all of a sudden they review it, and then they review that, yo, uh, the foul occurred 
uh, before Ubre shot the three, and then you look at the foul, and it's not even a charge or a block. It's literally just like a play on. And then they decide, no, 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 he didn't make the three before it. Smart gets called a foul, but since it's on the ground and they're not in the bonus, then side out Wizards. And before you know it, the Celtics hit three, the Wizards missed or had a turnover, and the Celtics tied the game up. Like, literally, like, 30 seconds later. I was like, holy shit, this went from, and they called a timeout, the crowd's pumped, everyone's jacking out, they're high-fiving, hugging people. And I was like, yo, yo, like, literally, we should just be up 10 to 11 points. And now this game is tied, and, like, two minutes later, what the hell happened on that play? I know that's not why they lost, because I'm going to get into why I think they lost or got screwed. But do you remember that play? Does that stand out? Because I thought that was some bullshit, man. I do, and it, it killed the momentum. But I, I don't, I don't think I'm as outraged as you as you are because. What? How much time was left? It was like early, mid to early fourth, right? Uh, I believe there was two two minutes ago. Let me, let me see. I don't, I don't know exactly when. I looked today to see if I couldn't find the foul on Smart, but it was in the fourth quarter. I know for sure because they weren't in the bonus, so it had to be like mid oh, yeah, to early, so... mid to early fourth. Right. So it looks like there was ten on one left. Whenever the Wizards and, and, were up like seven, seven or eight, yeah, right? they were up ninety-five to eighty-eight. Um, but I don't know. I can, there, there were some. First of all, it was a tough game to call. Number one, because there were there were you had to. You, okay, let's let's go down the list of things. If you're a referee, you have to look out for. You're already on edge because of the Horford Morris situation. You are already on edge because you don't know what's going to happen in terms of retaliation, or it's already physical. So I. There were bad calls on both teams. I mean, Gortat, he got called for a lot of moving screens, but there were some that, that they missed. Um, Al Horford says those same kind of, I mean, it's like he's just doppelganger in the screen. Dude, Rashad, another one. John Wall hits a three. They called the movie pick on Gortat. That's six points that the Wizards got screwed out of on freaking ridiculous calls, man. I, that I call wasn't ridiculous, though. It I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think it was a moving screen, but whatever. That's not the one I'm really mad about. There's four others, but... Yeah, so, I mean, at, at the end of the day, and I hate that expression, but you have arguably the best shooter on your team with a, with a shooting a 15, and probably was closer than 15 feet, a shot that he, could, he should be hitting in his sleep. No, it was 15 feet. That missed a shot. You had just two seconds before that, the hottest player of the night shoot an 18-footer and missed it. So through all of that, their two best players cannot hit shots that are well within their range. And for Wall, well within where he had been hitting them all night, it's not your night. Like, you you blew it. You can't ask for if – if, if I'm a coach or I'm a fan and you're telling me that my two best players can get two shots within 20 feet, within three seconds, and they miss them both, you can't be upset. You can't be upset at anything that precedes that because everybody wants the ball in their best player's hands, and we had it twice and lost. And to me, that's 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 the bottom line. I mean, once overtime came, they were tired, they were gassed, and it, it's like Isaiah Thomas, who got a lot of rest. I mean, I need, I need to look because part of it wasn't his fault. But there, let me see how how long did Isaiah play? Isaiah played forty four minutes. And he had a significant amount of rest. He was flying. He was rolling. So, again, I mean, I'm not trying to, to diminish your point. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not done, Rashad. I'm not it's done. a fair point. I'm, but I'm, I, I'm I, not, I just... No, I'm not, I'm not done. So, the, so they're up six. 
they give those two threes I mentioned. Uh, so later on, I saw what do they call when the NBA comes back and tells you all the missed fucking calls they had or whatever. Some oh. yeah, in the last two minutes. Yeah, what a, so when they hit the two threes on the second three was that Rozier three. When the Wizards were up one ten to one oh seven with uh, one thirty left, and it was a travel supposedly they missed. Okay, whatever. Like that's not at the naked eye. It was a travel. They should have called it travel. <laughs> To pass the Rozier, he ties it. Uh, then, uh, what happens? He goes 110-110. They kept missing. The John Wall got fouled. He makes one or two. They go up one point. Isaiah hits a money shot. Uh, once again, bad pick and roll defense. 46 seconds. The Wizards go up 110. Or Wizards are down 112 to 111. And if this game... I'm going to get to the shitty call, which I was... It's really unfortunate... That this isn't the number one story right now because this is what I tried to make on Twitter, but it didn't happen. So the Wizards are down one point. They go down. I think there was some action. It's probably one of the coolest plays of the year uh, considering the stakes. And was it like four dudes touch the ball? They go in the corner. I think Markeith. Then they threw it to Gortat at the rim. And Gortat just chucks. Chucks. A no-look pass to the other side, and there's Otto Porter setting up for three, dude, on the right wing, and cash money with 32 seconds left to give the Wizards a 114-112 lead with 32 seconds left in this ball game. The Celtics call timeout, and I'm in texting Otto, I'm tweeting Otto, I'm yelling Otto, and what a play that was. Do you remember that play? I mean... I haven't seen the replay, but it was like all this action on the left side. They finally hit Gortat. I mean, Fordy's touched the ball, and Otto just money hits a shot. And it felt like that was, I mean, obviously it's not a dagger because they put the game away. But that was like a winning play, even though, you know, they had struggled down the stretch. It blew a lead, but here it is, they're making this play and the shot. And so now the Boston calls timeout to set up a play, and basically they're down to one shot. So talk, talk to me about playing the auto shot till I talk to you about what I'm so mad about. No, you got to get to what you're mad about, though. Okay. <laughs> no, no, but the play, the Gortat pass. I mean, I thought that was a phenomenal play by the Wizards. I mean, in that moment, I mean, they're down 0-1 on the road, down, down a point. And to have four guys touch the ball and auto to hit a money shot with 30 seconds left, I mean, to go up, I mean, that, that is that is a championship-winning play. It is. I was a little nervous when it left his hand because, you know, Otto hadn't exactly been on fire all night. I didn't know whether he was going to hit it. And you're right, it, it, it was a pretty shot. I, and the first thing I did after the shot was made was look at how much time was left. And I, and I was even thinking to myself, okay, no matter what, they're going to have the last possession. It's 32.6 seconds. I know in that situation the, the Celtics weren't going to try to do a two-for-one. They were going to hold the ball to get a good shot. I remember telling my wife, I looked at her, I said, it doesn't matter what goes on on this next possession by Boston. It doesn't matter what they do. The uh, the Wizards are going to have it. It's like it's like serving for, for, for Wimbledon. It doesn't matter what the other guy does. You know that when the ball's back in your racket, you can serve out to win. And I felt like they're going to be able to win it. They're going to get a shot. So one stop, was, one stopper shot is all they need now, right? Right. So I thought it was a perfect scenario. A stop or no stop, you can still get the ball back. So it, it's, it was a good situation to be in. Okay. So they call timeout. They set up a play. Of course, they go to Isaiah. 
They go down, and John Wall doesn't bite on the head fake and blocks his blocks the shot out of bounds. I was like, damn. Like, even my boy was like, dude, that was really good for him not to bite on the head fake. So, Celtics gets the ball back. Somehow, once again, pick and roll coverage. Gortat gets switched off onto, Gort, onto Thomas. And this was such a bullshit call. I mean, here we are. Uh, it is 14 seconds. Two-point game. A team is down in the playoffs. And Gortat is like free-throw line elbow. Isaiah... You know, obviously he was a big guy or whatever, but it wasn't like he went in and Gortat smashed him or Gortat jumped out of his way or Gortat was stuck on an island and was reaching. He literally was just like in his way, kind of guarding him close because that's what you do on defense. And Isaiah literally just jumps into him and just acts like he gets shot, just how him and James Harden do. And they give him two free throws. And if you look on the replay... Barely maybe touched him, not really touched him. All the contact was initiated by Isaiah Thomas. Of course, he makes two. And if you look at all of us on the replay, which our friend Ben Stanger talked about, on one of the free throws, his feet were like four feet past the free throw line when the ball was not even near the rim, which is a violation. So, first of all, that foul was bullshit. I didn't catch the violation until later. And I just don't believe, like, and this is what I put on Twitter, man. You have game point. And you call some bullshit foul like that, even if you get switched off to a big man, that's when someone goes to the trunk, dog. I mean, I mean, you do not call, if you you do not make that call in that situation at all. And I don't know why that it wasn't a bigger deal than it was. I know the Wizards didn't have their own shot to go for it, but I thought that call was a very ticky tack one to make for a playoff game here with a lot on the line. I mean, I mean. Do not reward Boston for bullshit. Reward Boston for making a good play. Like if he beats Gortat off the dribble on the on the switch, then give it to him. But if just Gortat is just standing kind of by him playing decently defense, and you're just gonna give the little guy to go into the seven footer and him flail and give him two free throws to tie a ball game up after Otto Porter just hit a big shot and John Wall just blocked him out of bounds. I thought that was a bullshit punk way to tie this basketball game up. And I'm still mad about it, even me just telling you that. But if that's any other any other player other than Isaiah Thomas, they don't call that. Right? At all. Did you think it was, I mean, I thought that, I mean, it was close to being a foul. I mean, I'm not saying there was a contact, but it was just not, and that, and that yeah, like mid-third quarter, bro, second quarter, maybe. But like, at the end of the game, he saw the whistle a little bit. Is that, is that still not, I feel like that's still irrelevant when it comes to these things, like, you want, unless it's egregious, you want the players to make those decisions. And I felt like that was just a terrible, terrible bullshit call that Isaiah drew on, on a bad switch from the Wizards. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be devil's advocate here. I didn't like the call, but because it was Isaiah, I wasn't surprised. And the, the best players are going to get that call. I think John Wall would have easily gotten that same call had he done any degree of flailing. Which he, which he is wont to do every now and then. So I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. There are certain players who. Dude, John Wall does not flail the way Isaiah Thomas does. John Wall flails because he's so fast under the rim. Isaiah Thomas flails in time like someone's near him. Like it's like, no. he got, it's like he got stabbed in the abdomen. Him and Harden are the worst at this, by the way. But Wall does do this thing where he flies down the lane and he's not trying to score. He's specifically trying to foul as if he's trying to pull a point to the reps. He does that a lot. And sometimes they reward him, sometimes they don't. 
But again, if Wall had done that exact move or had done something similar to that, I would have expected him to get the call. But I'm not, I'm not outraged because the same thing that I said after Otto hit that shot with 32 seconds where no matter what Boston does, I'm all right because we still get the ball back. They got the ball back. Yeah, so let's talk about that possession. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, one four clear out to Wall. I didn't like them going left for a jumper, his decision. I, I thought maybe they should have gone, maybe a pick and roll or John Wall should go on the right. He made his decisions and maybe a little bit too late. And then missed the jumper, tough jumper with smart on him, I believe. And then the fortuitous bounce right to Bradley Beal. What was your decision on the play call there? Uh, for the Wizards? I was, I was, I was, I, I, it doesn't seem to go in their, their favor, but I would like to see John Wall maybe go to his right or a little bit more action there. I didn't I didn't want the ball in Wall's hands at all because he just was not, again, he had scored five points, yeah. you know, that corner. He just wasn't hot. But what are the options? Bill isn't hot. Maybe you go back to Porter because he just hit the shot. But I don't think it, you know, the thing with Porter is you have to pass him the ball. He can't create anything off the dribble. So, you want the ball in the hands of the two guys who can create off the dribble and hit a shot, and they just... Well, so maybe Markeith maybe would have been an option. John Wall, pick and roll Markeith, they switch, he hits the shot maybe, something like that. But that's not but that's not, that's not. not a role. I mean, he had just checked back in the game. That's yeah, true. And, he had, he had foul trouble, which is another thing the ref sucked. But, but that's not... Those aren't the game-ending situations. They're not roles that Markeith, you know, excels at. But those, for that role... You want the ball in either Wall or Bill's hands, and it was in both of their hands. So you're right. I mean, look at the sense. John Wall and Bradley Beal, the two best players of this team, both had shots to win this game, right? And I mean, Bill's miss was more disturbing because it was an air ball. It was an air ball and more wide open. <laughs> right. It was completely wide open. I mean, that's that's a shot that I'm sure after the game, the first time he got in the gym, he went and he practiced because that's a shot he should have hit. Playoffs, playoffs. Yes, Wizards playoffs. S-N-E-K-I-S dot com. Sneakus. They have graciously parted with me to help support this Wizards independent media because Comcast and Money Mental, who owns the Wizards, have partnered up together. And the reason that you're so pissed about Phil Chenier because he's a legend and should have his never retired in the rafters has been ungraciously jettisoned because the suits of those two places have decided for a fresh voice. But there is no fresh voice here. I tell you the real, I cover the games. You have listened to this podcast for a long time, but the way that you could financially support me is go to sneakers.com, buy hats, hoodies, t-shirts, all I want for you for this playoffs is to go to sneakers.com, enter playoffs, and that purchase will go to help support the show back to the show. Yeah, and then in, and then in overtime, the, the last point I want to make about the refs is the Wizards were down one. John Wall is getting pressure by Avery Bradley. You know, yeah, he's not, he's not picking up his dribble. You know, he's not dribbling as well. And Bradley deflects it. John Wall goes to get it, and Bradley... Seriously, like, arm bars his arm, holds his wrist to prevent him from getting the ball back. And no call, Bradley gets the ball, gets a dunk. So the Wizards go from a chance to take the lead, up one, with two minutes left in overtime, and now the Celtics are up three. 
Now, granted, once again, I'm not saying that that's why they lost, because I know we gotta keep saying this, but that's some bullshit, dude. I mean, that is just straight up, like, this isn't, that's right in front of the refs at half court, and a dude is grabbing his wrist, and, like, you know, we've seen, like, we're, there's some, they'll let physicality go down low a little bit more, but at half court, with John Lowe with the ball, he complained and whatever, but, you know, then they made some bad, you know, Beal made a bad turnover. I thought Wall had a bad three. Ubre was the only one that could shoot shots, but why are we going to Ubre there in overtime? And and then, you know, Isaiah got loose, and and, and I believe Horford hit a big shot, didn't he? But I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I'm blaming this rest, but, dude, any of those calls go the Wizards' way that I just mentioned, and there's potentially a different game, and it doesn't change their pick-and-roll coverage. But, I don't know, dude, I was fired up and I needed a rant to you before we move on here and make this quick points in, in this podcast. Yeah, I, I still don't think you can blame the refs because, as you said, after those plays, John Wall turned the ball over, missed a three-pointer, Bill, and then Bill missed a three-pointer. And in the meantime, Isaiah Thomas is making everything and the Wizards are down five. Like, even after those bad foul calls, you still can come down and, and, and run a good play and... and and make a shot, and they didn't. They didn't do that. And one of the things that uh, Coach Brooks said after the game is the ball stuck too much. It was not moving the way it had been earlier in the game. And again, part of that is fatigue. Wall played a lot of minutes. Part of that was the players who you are used to hitting shots, like Beal, weren't hitting shots, and so they were kind of they were in unfamiliar territory. And you know that that's why they lost. There are going to be bad calls, but come on, if that call had happened. And we'd had the normal bill, and he had come down and hit a three. You wouldn't even remember that, you know. So, I, so I just think that they're. I think the reps calls compounded by the bad play is what leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Like something had to give, and neither one of those things did. Oh well, I mean, can, do you have more free throws? Let's just say it's not the Wizards. So I'm I'm done with the rest right now. Rashad, give me your. Game three storyline here. They're down 0-2. We've talked about toughness. We've talked about defensive coverages. What kind of adjustments needs to be made here for the Wizards? Coming home with 0-2, I mean, I'm salty. People are salty. I feel like I could go off on a whole tangent about what I feel like Boston sports fans, especially being an Orioles uh, follower my entire life and owning an Adam Jones t-shirt. I can't imagine what I feel like about Boston sports fans, uh, as everyone should, uh, whatever uh, ethnicity you are in America. Uh, but all happening right now. They're, they're throwing at Manny Machado. They're throwing peanuts at Adam Jones. I fucking hate them already. Already I'm, I'm down. So I feel like this crowd is going to be pumped and amped just to just to go in at this. They've lost two winnable games, potentially, after they played really well for long stretches. I just said a lot there, Rashad. Of course, you know, this isn't Tavis Smiley or uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever show. What's, what's her man? Uh, the guy that has the... Who's the Wizards guy? Uh, or Wizards fan. Anyway, point being is that, Rashad, what the hell is going to happen here on Game 3? What's the crowd going to be like? And what kind of adjustments is this team? Because I feel like this... Fans are going to be just as pissed as I am. Not so much about this tangent about Boston, because I'm trying to keep this podcast uh, light, because I'm about to go off on a 20-minute rant about Boston sports fans, and I'm trying not to, uh, which is why this this comment's been very convoluted. Uh, does Mahimi come back? 
Did they go much more with the Bohan? What is up with the bench? Beal obviously has to play better. But what has to happen here for the Wizards in Game 3? Their backs are to the wall that they've never been to. This isn't 2-2 versus Atlanta. This is 0-2. This is a do-or-die game. And this environment is going to be electric. Well, they have to continue. They can't be discouraged. They have to continue to do what they've done the first two games, and they have to start quickly. Uh, and so they, they need to kind of hope that they can have a start similar to game one where the momentum of the crowd and the fact that, you know, maybe Beal is a little more aggressive uh, and so they can get out to a double-digit lead. And frankly, the starters need to try to push that lead as far out as possible so that when the starters come back in the game, they're, you know, they're doing well. Personally, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Wall go to the bench at about the four-minute mark of the first quarter and just whatever, whatever's going to happen in those last four minutes, just let it happen. Have Jennings out there, have Bill out there, have Bogdanovich out there, and just for those last four minutes of the first quarter, just just wing it, play as hard as you can, so that when it starts that second quarter, if you notice, the past couple games, when Wall is on that bench to start the second quarter, Stevens puts Isaiah Thomas right in the game, and that's when the ties start to turn. Yes. I think they may want to switch it a little bit, let Wall. Like get Wall out earlier and leave Bill in and put Wall in earlier in the second quarter. Right, and if and if you lose a little bit of the lead at the end of the first quarter, you can live with that because you know that your best player is going to be on the floor, and you know that no matter who else is on the floor, they're going to run and get into it. So I would, that's one of the first moves I would make. I would play Bogdanovich a little more. Maybe you try out Trey Burke since you're going to be running John Wall with the backups and not Brandon Jennings. Maybe you just leave Brandon Jennings out and try to put a shooter out there with Wall to spread the floor and see what Bogdanovich and Burke can do. Brad Stevens is not scared to change up things. He had Gerald Green in the first game. He started Marcus Smart in the second game. He's tweaking his lines and it's working. I think that I think that them being down 0-2 and I think that you're not getting a lot from Jennings and that the bench is totally just crapping the bed. I think it's worth it for, for, for Brooks to play with the lineups a little bit so that when that second quarter starts, your best player is on the floor, but he's not gassed because he played the whole quarter. Maybe he played eight minutes and is ready to go because that's that's where they're losing these games. They're losing these games not specifically I mean, I mean, look, the look at these starts because, they've had the last three games we've talked about. They've been incredible, right? Like, they're having picturesque starts to all these games, the last three playoff games. And so where are they losing it is what we're discussing, right? That's where you got to figure it out. Right, and, and against Boston, it's just not that the, it's not just that the bench is playing badly. It's that Isaiah Thomas is coming in and doing Isaiah Thomas' thing. So that has to be the switch. That way, the fact that the bench sucks is not such a glaring, you know, it's not such an eyesore because you've changed it up a little bit. But it all, that all is contingent upon them getting the lead with all the starters in the game for the first eight minutes of the game. They, they have to come out with another strong start and continue to keep the pressure on Boston because as well as Isaiah Thomas played, he's not going to shoot that well on the road in, you know, against, against the Wizards. He's, just, he's not going to shoot that well. And so if the Wizards have the same attitude and the same strong start that they've had, Maybe after the first quarter they're up by 15, and then maybe at the start of the second quarter they're able to maintain it. So, but if there's one of those runs at home where Boston 
they're going on a 9-0 run, and all of a sudden the game is tired, they take the lead, they're going to lose the crowd and their confidence. Yeah, I think the crowd has to be electric from the beginning. I think they'll be into it. Uh, some live podcasting, a little how the sausage is made. Uh, the, the Washington Capitals just lost, uh, Rashad. They are now down three games to one to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, yes, that is fucking shitty. And the Wizards cannot go down 0-3. Or it will be a long weekend for Adam. And my liver already struggles enough with my habits. Rashad, what... I, I agree with what everything said, and it comes down to what we've discussed before. I mean, Bradley Beal has to step the F up. I mean, I think we could talk about tinkering these lineups and all this, but like Bradley Beal and John Wall combined for 73 points in a closeout game less than a week ago, uh, and everyone gave him accolades, and now Bradley Beal's out here looking like he's shaving points. And he has to come back and make the $127 million that you're talking about, and I'll never talk about his salary, and Scott Brooks has to make this $35 million that he makes, and John Wall is going to bring it, but Bradley Beal is the scorer. John Wall is the playmaker who can score, but he is number one, number two in assists in the league for a reason. Bradley Beal is top 10, top top 15 shooting guard scorer, wing player, in the league for a reason as well. And so he has to fill his role. I'd like to see him get Markeith a little bit more involved. Run so I would just run high pick and roll screens with Gortat and Markeith. Their defense on the back line. I mean, the, the Celtics cannot protect the rim. I don't know if you noticed that at all. I mean, once you get back to, past the first, I mean, they pressure the wings. They defend the wings, and they're up in you. Deny pressure. But once you get into the paint in any capacity, it's game, set, match. I mean, they cannot recover whatsoever. I mean, Olenek, even Horford, you know, he does okay. Amir Johnson's washed. I mean, there isn't Jarepko. I mean, there isn't a backline defender at all, even physically imposing, even athletically imposing uh, for the Celtics. And, I mean, and you got to counteract them, you know, those big guys hitting so many threes. And the Wizards have to shoot well, get the crowd involved, and it'll be jacked. Put the pressure back in. You know, win this game three, go back. You know, you have two days off. The game four is Sunday. And I think that we'll have a good weekend, get some rest. You know, the emotions will die. And, you know, maybe some of the Celtics will start hanging out at Stadium Club maybe on Friday night. And, you know, on Saturday night, get a little bit too much fun here in, uh, you know, a, a city that likes black people, unlike Boston, uh, Rashad. <laughs> can you feel that simmering? Can you feel how mad I am about this, Rashad? Could you feel as an Orioles fan, you know, as a as a as a human being, as an American? Anyway, Rashad, are you covering the game? I am. Uh, yes. Are you going tomorrow? I'm going to be on Sunday. I haven't decided yet. Do we? Does anyone? We, anyone else confirm? Maybe, maybe I should go. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But so you'll be there on Thursday. And I'll be there on Sunday. Oh, Rashad, you know I want you to tell me your thoughts about Adam Jones before you leave. You know this. Can you tell? I mean, look. Can, can, you, I, can, can you just give me your opinion and I'll shut the fuck up? Can you imagine this? On my podcast, I will stop talking. Okay. When I was when I was five years old, I, I was on my way. I was in the Detroit airport and I saw the Boston Celtics team. So I saw Bird and Mikhail and... So I saw all of them, and I remember asking my dad, I said, you know, why don't you like the Celtics? And he was like, well, 
I'm a big Bill Russell fan. And Bill Russell said that living in Boston was one of the most miserable times of his life because it was just a racist city. And, you know, my father admitted back then, he said, you couldn't differentiate between the city and the times. I mean, because it was the 60s. Everything was skewed. But since then, just as a young kid, my father kind of heightened my antennas to that kind of thing. And so since then, I have heard Mo Vaughn. Uh, I used to live in Connecticut, so Reggie Lewis. And you've just heard, even when Kevin Garnett was courting Boston and considering going there, he had to talk to some people about were things better in Boston given what has been going on. So that's been... Jim Rice, by the way. Can I mention Jim Rice? But... Right. So that, that's been that's all, always been the case. And I'm, I'm just not surprised when you... It's, it's like a perfect confluence of events. It's We're living in a more racially charged time. Boston still has that reputation. And I, I just... I, I wasn't surprised. You know, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised that Adam Jones spoke about it so gracefully. And I was surprised by the outpouring of emotion and the reaction from Boston fans and the mayor and, you know, Major League Baseball and all that. But it's going to happen again. And it's not just Boston. I mean, it's 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 kind of low-hanging fruit to sit there and pounce on them. But it's soccer uh, match. I, I mean, you know, but Paul I mean, made that point, too. It's like Boston's the only recent city in America. Come on now. Right. right it happens right? everywhere. It's just baseball. You can hear it better because... I mean, you've been to a game, it's the, it's the fourth inning that was going on, it's quiet, you're sitting out in the outfield, you can hear it. You can't necessarily hear that that same thing go on. I mean, I went to a Carolina Panthers game. Carolina Panthers, Panthers played uh, Tennessee Titans a couple of years ago, and I went to the game, and I was in a suite with some friends, and just right next to me, I heard all kind of racist stuff, but I could only hear it, and my friends could hear it, because we were right there up in the suite. You can't, and people get liquored up and all that, so... I was. I'm not surprised that it happened. I was surprised at the swift action and the swift reaction. But you know, it's a bigger issue. And as I, I, I forget who at ESPN wrote this column because so many people have been fired. But I think it was Buster Olney who said that you have to include that into the fabric of a game, like you do if you throw something on the field, you get ejected. You know, in a base in a basketball game or any sporting event, there are a list of trigger things that you can do to get yourself thrown out. Oh, the hooligan has been throwing bananas on people all over Europe, right, for for decades. I mean, Right, I mean, this just, that just happened to this the... Uh, the Italian guy, right? So, I mean, it happens. It's just that I think sometimes you can get lulled to sleep because Boston has won so many titles over the few years and their fans are you know, so, so great and fanatic. You forget that there's also this undercurrent of, of, of racism, but you know, what, what upsets me too for, for those for those listening don't know because you know he likes uh, Tony Kornheiser and I say yo yo a lot, but uh, we're obviously the opposite of the identity that you would think we are. What upsets me is a man from you know this white male privilege that exists in, and I talk about these things to people is that. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I don't like to be a minority, right? Like, it's like, I know what it's like to be a poor, middle-class white dude in the Midwest, right? Like, that's the identity, like, the things that I could see about that. Just like, oh, these white kids were a little richer and I was a little poorer, right? Like, I could tell how I was treated differently because I was on this side of the tracks and they were on the other one. I can't imagine carrying that the rest of my fucking life because of who I am. Right? Like, my life has changed from that. So, I get very visceral, and I also felt that 
when I talk about these issues with these people is that no one gives a shit about uh, when you're in these groups. Like, no one, like, the people being oppressed don't want to hear about other people being oppressed. I always feel like the way that when I'm not in the groups that are not oppressed, I got to talk to the people who are not to be like, yo, man, we're not getting fucked with. Like, hey, when we get pulled over by the police, we don't get acted this way. You know, like, not we're saying that the police are great or awesome or they suck. It's just like, just I just want them to recognize those things, you know, and that like this happens to this subgroup. Like I'm not saying that like they don't deserve it or not deserve it or you deserve it or whatever. Just 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 acknowledge that it's a little different, right? Like like women go in an interview and they talk about what they're wearing or whatever. Where me and you, no one gives a fuck with how shitty our tie is. You know, like just acknowledge like these little subtle things of life. And what pisses me off the most is the people in the stands, man. Like I've been. In these things, Latino, Laotian, I've been a minority my whole life. Like, I can't imagine. I'd hear racial slurs around them about people and just allow that to slide. It just meant that, like, this is like a culture where, yeah, like, you're not a racist. And all these fans that stand up and, and, and cheer for Adam Jones, Rashad, obviously, like, whatever, feel bad or whatever. It's not about this, some fucking what guilt. It's just, like, allowing, like, who is the one to say that that's not okay, Right? And that's the thing that's disappointing to me. Like, like somehow that, oh yeah, it's one thing to look the other way, but at one point, do you have some courage and integrity to tell that other drunk motherfucker that that's not cool, man? Even if you might kick your ass. And that's what really disappointed me. Anyway, we got a jam, Rashad, and there's your social conscience for uh, the evening. Rashad, predictions for tomorrow before we go. Last, last comment. Oh, but, oh Boston's going to win a close game. We're going to go now. Oh, shit. Yeah. That we, we everything was so good here, Rashad, and like we just had like a social commentary. Commentary like Frank DeFord would have loved. Uh, God, uh, I saw that he retired today. But all right, Rashad, thank you so much, man. Uh, we will uh, talk about the scene sometime this weekend. Uh, Kyle Weedai has continually passed on my invites, but somehow he'll acknowledge. But thank you everyone for joining me. Go read our stuff on truthabout.net. I think Rashad's gonna have a piece up. We'll have a recap. At the Celtics, at Boston, but I love all of you. So, as always, go Wizards. Peace out. Attention, please, attention, please. This shit here feels like the whole entire world collapse.
Bitch, run that. Bitch, run that. Bitch, run that. So keep acting like you don't know where the fun's at. And I'ma show y'all motherfuckers where the gun's at. Yo, yap that bitch. She try to spaz out, then smack that bitch. Oh, you don't be rhyming. You still memorizing. Remy want them goddamn diamonds. Yeah. 